0: There are three P's in your life that you have to have to make you healthy. Amen? Okay, so these, these, I just started them with P. Number one is you have to have a practice um, at something, not a project. Okay, so you have to know that you're practicing your faith, you're practicing your walk with God. There are times when you're going to fall down, slip up, mess up, bruise your knees. Anybody been there? Okay. And so as you're practicing you have to realize that you're not a project that's going to be finished you're not a project that's going to come to completion okay god doesn't look at you as when i get her here she's done we're we're going to walk with god all the way through until he calls and the trump sounds and the lord comes in the clouds amen anybody believe he's coming back so being that we're a project we're not a project we are in practice of living for god there are times when we're going to do better Times when we're going to do worse, and I am—I'm obviously a man as well. I'm a human being, even though I'm a pastor, and I can have feet of clay at times too. And I'm just like you. I'm in the struggle, okay? And so I deal with things on a different, maybe differently than you do, but I deal with them as well. And so we want to deal with where this second or this third series, third third message in this series is talking about standing strong in difficult times. How many know we're in difficult times? Politically, socially. Um, Economically, it can be very difficult times. um, But the Word of God still stands, amen? What I love about the Word of God is that the Bible says that God puts men up and God takes men down, amen? Whether that's a man or woman, doesn't matter. God's in charge. He's in charge and He's still on the throne. I I don't want to forget that He's King of glory, amen? That He's King of everything. And so I look to His Word for encouragement uh, in my daily life. And I want to talk to you about something that I've kind of... I think I've been grappling with it for two years. I, I, in fact, I know I have. It's not been a nice fight. It's been like a claw and scratch kind of fight. Like, you know, it's been one of those street fights where it's a slugfest. That's the kind of thing that has been like for me because I've found out that as I'm practicing and living for God that I have to learn how to stand strong. Not just stand, but stand strong. Amen. And in order to do that, I have to learn where my strength comes from and I have to learn how to be strong, just how to do that. And so maybe the mechanics of that. So 1 Corinthians 15.1 is our text today and we look at it and it says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. Everyone say, in which you stand. Another translation says it like this, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. Now, there's nothing better to stand on than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because it's built upon the cornerstone that men rejected, which is Jesus. He was the stone that the builders rejected, the Bible says. He became the cornerstone. If you go back in antiquity, you realize they would hew out a stone that became the level or the the model for which they built the entire rest of the building off of. And they would set the cornerstone because the cornerstone was true and level and right. When they set the cornerstone, they would build their walls off of that cornerstone and that would make the building true. The building stand properly. So the cornerstone was very important. I put Jesus as my cornerstone over 30 years ago, and I'm glad about it. Amen? And anything built in my life, I have to go back and give him glory, because had he not started a work in me, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Amen, somebody. So I'm grateful that I know who I stand on. And so when I'm looking at the Word of God, I have to talk to you a little bit about The impact that we have as Christians, we have to know that our culture is getting more and more casual. How many know that? We're living in a casual culture. We're experiencing it in the church where I might come, I may not come. I may be there, I may not be there. I might make it, I might not. I might come, I may not, I don't know. And a lot of people say this, they say, I'll try to be there. If they say, I try, I'll try, i try to be there, if they say, i try to be there for you, if they say, I'll try to be at your event, if you say, hey, oh, this is going on, would you like to come? They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll try. That means they're not going to make it because truly trying, giving yourself in a commitment is what allows you to actually make it happen. I found out that my vows in the, way, in the places where I make a commitment with my words should dictate my actions, Amen. And I looked at the Word of God in John 1, and I realized that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And therefore, God set up a Word that would allow all of His actions to flow out of. Amen, somebody, right? So in the beginning was that plan or that logos, that word. And so what I do now is anytime I walk into a relationship, I realize that if I'm going to say yes to helping you, I'm actually saying no to helping somebody else at that same time. Every yes is also a no. Do you realize what I'm saying there? So when you look at managing your life or managing your schedule or being too busy or being too hectic, you have to look at where you're saying yes because wherever there's a yes, there's also a no. That fact is the truth, and people don't like truth today. Isn't it interesting that living for Jesus has become controversial? And that calling the Bible truth is no longer really truth. They say it's just a book of history. It's not the truth. But I want you to know that whether people think it's controversial or not, I'm going to live for the Lord with all my life. Amen? I'm going to give him everything of me. And in that doing that, I want you to know that there's going to be people that don't like you taking a stand for Jesus Christ. So you're not just going to have to stand. You're going to have to stand strong. They're going to not like maybe what you do. They're maybe not even going to like the kind of places you go and the ways that you live out your walk with God. But isn't it interesting that while they say that we're hindering them or we're inhibiting them or we're infringing upon their rights, they can do whatever they want, sleep with whoever they want, drink whatever they want and it doesn't affect us. Well yes you know what? It does affect me. It hurts me that you don't know that Jesus loved you better than that and he wants more for you and your best you is not found in those things. That Those things lead to death and those things lead to destruction in your life and I want you to know that the heart of a pastor hurts over people that don't know the love of Jesus Christ, that don't know that he gave his last breath so that you could give your life to him till your last breath i want you to know that god loves us with everything in him and in that life that he laid down i find my hope and my joy and and i find that people that are upset with that they just have to be upset with it they just have to be upset with it we had we had a scoffer spirit enter our church for the first time a scoffer spirit where they sat and they just kind of looked and made fun. The whole service. And I was like, okay, you could get upset about the enemy attacking you, or you can get excited about it knowing that the enemy has limited resource. And he's chosen to attack you which means that he sees something in you that he does not want to come to full fruition. He sees something in your life that's going to make a dent in this world and in the, and for the kingdom of God. And because he doesn't have all resource like God does, he doesn't have all power, infinite and mighty, and he chooses to attack you, that means that God is not only using you for great, but there is a work invisibly going on that you cannot see right now. But the the devil knows the potential and so he's attacking with all his power so he doesn't have what god has and when he attacks you you have to know that means something so the level of your attack is the level of your effectiveness i don't know if you know but the devil tried to throw a car at us not long ago but we might sit here from sunday to sunday and wonder what God's up to. But when the devil is trying to do things that discourage us, I I had to live out of my home for the last month because of problems that have attacked our lives. You think I'm going to stand here and play Mount St. Helens or not Mount St. Helens, but Mount Rushmore when it comes time to praise I'm going to have my hands lifted. I'm not going to be looking at you, staring at you, going, why aren't you praising? I'm going to get my praise on and worship God because there is nothing that I can do but praise him because I am so sick and tired of the devil attacking me, but I know his attack cannot stand in my praise, amen, and in my worship. So I'm standing strong when I worship God and when I praise him. Even in my difficulties, they had to tear up Pipes underneath our house, and they made a mess of things. We couldn't get, I, I was wearing clothes that I, I don't even want to say this, but I was wearing clothes that I wore for three days last Sunday while I was preaching. And you didn't know why I was grumpy, but I was grumpy. And now I got my closet back, you know what I'm saying? Well, holler at your boy, you know? i was just kidding. Now I actually can get to my closet. But I realize that in my life, I struggle, and it's been a slugfest, like I said, for the last two years, with vulnerability. I, I'm not good with vulnerability, and they're learning in the psychology world that you have to lean into discomfort in order to remedy the discomfort. They call it leaning in in psychology. It's, it's made its way into the church. They call it lean into the spirit looking for a a lot of terminology like looking for a move of God, lean into the move of God. I want you to know that the church is not as interested in looking for a move of God as God is looking for a move of you. You have to understand that God's waiting sometimes on us to move and then he directs our steps. The fluid of the Spirit often happens when we just take the first step, just get moving and that's why we have a box of shoes going to Haiti because I'm just trying to get some stuff moving where we're serving and giving and we're making opportunities for God to be our business partner, amen that's what you do every time we take the offering and you put your seed in that offering It's you're giving it to God, not this church, but to God amen, somebody, you're tithing to God, not to this church, but to God and God keeps the books and there's no better business partner to have in your personal finances than Almighty God, amen, he can do more with 90 than you can do with 10, that extra 10 anyway so let him have it let him be your business partner when things get tight go to Jesus now Jesus I've been doing what you told me to do I'd like for you to to stand I'm going to stand strong on your word right here you can go to God with that you can leverage what you have done with the Lord in a relationship with him but if you never talk to God and you never seek God you don't have much (laughs) you have God's grace and mercy to stand on thank God but you'll feel like Ashamed because you didn't do things right, or you'll feel guilty, and then you won't go to the throne of grace when God has it for you. He says, Come boldly to my throne in times of need. Come boldly to the throne of grace in times of need. So we have to understand that there are things that we don't necessarily know how to handle, amen. And so I I have to tell you that I'm not a psychologist, but I know in studying this for myself that We have three major things that we need in our life. Number one is we need love. We need belonging and we need connection. How many know that living for Jesus sometimes really messes with all three of those? There are times when you have to stand alone to stand strong. And you don't have a connection or a support group behind you. You don't have all your friends and your buddies hanging out with you because you're standing for the Lord and they don't want to do that. There's a new chemical that's hitting high schools right now this it's It's like a liquid marijuana and it's supposed to be twice as potent as regular marijuana and kids are getting messed up on this stuff and i don't even have the name of it yet that's how quick it's come in, and that's how as much as what I know right now is that they are they are looking for something to fill the void that Jesus can fill, but we don't know how to get that truth to them we don't know how to get that that to them that hey Jesus can bring you the love you never had Jesus can show you the belonging in him that he bought you with a price and your value was paid at Calvary and you belong to the Lord and you're a child of God and he can give you the connection that you never experienced anywhere else he can be your God amen I know all kinds of stories of people in life and when you talk to people tell me about the things that you love or tell me about a a, a person that that you, that you love tell me about love itself a lot of times they'll give you the opposite when you ask them about love they'll tell you of your their worst heartache to def, try to define love and if you ask them tell me about a time when you belonged they might tell you a couple of things but then they'll tell you about an exclusion story where they didn't feel comfortable being excluded but they're trying to define belonging and then you say hey tell me about how you felt disconnected or you you didn't feel or how you felt connected to something and a lot of times when they try to explain connection they explain disconnection so it's interesting that we have a black and white a a, a right and left a, maybe even a, a an on and off kind of idea of what of what we need for our lives, but yet when it comes to God, we don't always go seek Him first. Amen. We we tend to go after some things that can help us, and it's it, it's true that um it's excruciating to be vulnerable. It's true. It's very excruciating. I've I've had that sentence where I've been dealing with it for two years. That I. I'm not blank enough. Have you ever had to fill in that sentence? I'm not, whatever goes in the blank, I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. And when I first started pastoring the church, I didn't deal with it right away because I thought, well, just, I, I don't need to worry about myself. I just need to preach the word. I'm being very vulnerable, and I asked God how, how vulnerable I should be in this sermon so I know where I'm at. Amen? I was I'm I was very unwilling to be vulnerable when I first started the church, but for the last two years, I've been doing a study in my own vulnerabilities, and I've been learning that vulnerable, when you're vulnerable, it produces things like shame and fear and struggle with worthiness. It produces things like that to make yourself vulnerable, because you can feel ashamed of something you're vulnerable in. You can feel fear for the fact that you are vulnerable. I'm not supposed to be like this. I shouldn't feel like this. I know better than this. But you're still vulnerable because we're human beings. You can feel a struggle with worthiness. Why is it that they have a better marriage across the street, I see them sitting on their deck, they're laughing, having fun, and we're sitting out here in lawn chairs having an argument, you know? and Why is it always, it seems like someone has it better, and that that struggle brings on a feeling of, maybe I'm just not worthy of a relationship like that. Maybe I'm just not worthy of having the depth of relationship with God that other people have, and maybe they have that, you know, the, the whole gift of speaking in tongues and interpretation and, and maybe, I, maybe I'll try that. Like, uh, you know, you see somebody being used in the gifts of the Spirit and you're like, maybe maybe God would use me like that. And then you go and you try it and you fall on your face and you don't do very good at it. Well, the thing is, you're, you're trying to make yourself more vulnerable, which is actually where your victory comes from. Making yourself more vulnerable in order for you to stand strong. You have to learn how to be vulnerable. This is... This is where I want to talk to you about because that this is the the statement that came to my life out of all this. I just want you to see this. In order for us to stand strong, how do we do that? Your strength in your stand is determined by the depth of your surrender. Your strength in your stand is determined by the depth of your surrender. And I began to surrender everything to God. I began to surrender my marriage to God. I began to surrender everything to God. And you know what I found out? The same vulnerability that produces those shame, that shame, that fear, that struggle of worthiness, all of those different things, it's also the birthplace of creativity and joy and happiness and hope. Those are, that's where it's found. And so when you make yourself vulnerable to God, It allows you to stand strong in the things that can never be shaken, amen? So even though you might feel shaken in your vulnerability when you give yourself in complete surrender to God and you wave your white flag and you say, Jesus, I don't know what you want to do to me, do with my life, but I surrender. Here I am, Lord. Use me, do whatever you want to do with my life. When you give God that kind of surrender, what you're doing is you're giving God permission to let you stand strong in your life. And there's a couple different places I want to hit before I'm done about that deal with standing strong. And number one is, as the scripture said, that we dealt with. You have to stand strong on the gospel. You have to know the gospel. You have to know what God teaches us. In jujitsu, they train the, the the discipline to train and surrender to that training and surrender to the study jujitsu makes you a stronger person to stand when you need the skills. Your discipline in the Word of God is what makes you stronger to stand on. How do you get saved? How do you give your testimony? How, What scripture can you go to and tell me what you believe in? Can you give a report to me right now of the faith and the hope that lieth in you? Can you do that right now? Do you have the strength to stand upon the word of God, on the gospel? Because that's what the word said. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, Paul. Paul's saying, I preach this gospel to you, that's where you need to stand, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. If you don't know the gospel, if you don't know that God speaks to you through his word, you will never know how to stand strong. And you know you are you need something passionate in your life from the word of God. Well, it's funny that we can be passionate about all kinds of things, but when it comes to the things of God... And in, even in our culture, there's a there's a gag order on Christians right now to not, you know, not offend, not hurt people's feelings. And I want you to know that you need to be loud about your faith in God. This is also something I learned from my vulnerability because I was a re- I'm a real quiet person when it comes to my faith. If somebody doesn't want it, that's fine. I, I I won't push on them. But I'm learning as a man of God that I need to stand strong and say something whenever there's people that need to hear it that are not necessarily people that I I know, but maybe influenced by the lies that are being told by somebody else, amen? We need to combat lies in the name of Jesus. So what I found out is that whenever I'm standing strong, God speaks to me most when I'm in his word, amen? Being upset, Sister Gannon, at somebody, at God not speaking to you and not opening your Bible is like being mad That you didn't receive a text message with your phone off. It's the same level of ridiculousness, really. Because you're trying to stand in a spiritual fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. How many know Ephesians 6? How many have read that verse before? How many know what that means? You're not fighting against people at work. You're not fighting against family members. You're not fighting against even your husband and wife when you get into an argument. You're not fighting against your brothers and sisters. What you need to know is battles are spiritual. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. So we have to know that there's a spiritual work going on, and we're in a physical body, but we're spiritual beings, and we need to do the work with spiritual understanding. Amen? You need to have some spiritual intelligence in your life. Oh my goodness, I can't get off on that because I won't get to this nice illustration that I have here. So the way that I began to look at it is, I was like, Lord, I I don't understand. Uh, What am I supposed to do? And then I began to look at all kinds of different places. I looked at the Word of God. I looked at my own vulnerabilities. I looked at psychology, and I was like, okay, where do they structure this? How do they say this? And I, I want you to know something interesting that, that shame is the feeling of disconnection. Did you know that? Shame is defined as the fear of disconnection. That my shame gives me feelings of fear that I'm not good enough or that I won't be able to do. So, you have to de- deconstruct what it is in your life that you're dealing with. Because I can give you, it's just like a diet. I can tell you all the things you need to eat. But if I don't deal with your psychology of it, your, your um, the social aspects of your life, if I don't deal with the physical, um, the, the, the thinking in your life, um, you won't ever need, you won't be successful with the diet i can say eat this don't eat that but if you have triggers in your life that you eat because you need to um have comfort, if you eat because you need to deal with emotions that you're dealing with poorly, then guess what? I'm not going to help you by giving you a list of do's and don'ts. And that's what I saw so many times when I was growing up. I was getting a list of do's and don'ts, but they weren't dealing with the feelings of vulnerability in my life. Is that okay if I'm honest with you? So the courage to be imperfect is the one of the most difficult things in life that we have the courage, the, the the courage to say that I'm vulnerable and, and I'm vulnerable on a on a fundamental level, and it's and it's not something I can control. And, and And when I'm vulnerable, I'm beautiful to God because His strength is made perfect in weakness. Amen. That He finds a place in me to show His great strength when I am more most vulnerable, when I'm in a place where I say, you know what, I, I'm. I'm okay with not being okay sometimes. I'm okay with not being as strong as I need to be because when I come to him wholehearted and say God I'm vulnerable in my life, in some patterns of my life, in some ways that I think, in some incidents that happen to me, I'm vulnerable. I communicate to God a sense of courage in that vulnerability that I'm willing to stand on his word because I may not have everything I need but his promises contain everything that I need and I may not be able to be all that I'm supposed to be but with the work of God on my life he can perfect me through his word so I open the word of God and it may seem like a morning I don't get much from this reading but I tell you what God is speaking to me and he brings it back so psychology just recently has put out a major article through a person that studied this for years and they have come out and said the way the way to live is with vulnerability in your life. Previously, they tried to study your vulnerabilities, go back to your childhood, talk to you about all the stuff, the candy that you didn't get, the cotton candy you didn't get at the circus, how it made you feel like you were not the person that was, that was given all the best and how that's affected your whole life. Maybe that's true, but I want you to know that I'm not interested in going back to my childhood. I'm interested in, in fully embracing the vulnerabilities of my life and the willingness to know it's necessary. It's necessary for me to stand strong. It's necessary for me to deal with my vulnerabilities. And the way that I deal with it is through several different ways. I want you to know that a, a people that are willing to be vulnerable in a church is a growing church. It is. And maybe I haven't been able to give you a place of vulnerability where you could deal with things that you were struggling with and you could come to me. I want you to know I'm sorry for that. I want to be a pastor that lets people heal and restore in this place. And if that means that we have to create a place where we don't judge, it's funny how the most judgmental people are only judgmental because they see people that don't sin like they do. They're good with all the people that sin like they do, but they have somewhere forgotten that how far they were down when the blood reached them. Amen? They have somewhere forgotten how God reached to them. And I want you to know that I'm passionate about being vulnerable in my life. My wife and I sat and talked for quite a while last night. We talked about our marriage. We talked about different things of our life and the disciplines that we need and the things that God's doing and And I just think that when you have that frame of reference where I'm okay if you think I'm not enough because I dealt with it. I was like, what if I'm not enough to be a pastor? What if I'm not enough to do this? What if I'm not enough to be there? And and, in all of that, I found out that if I just stay in his word, he gives me enough to hang on and to keep moving and to do what's right and to be wholehearted for him. Because you can't selectively numb emotions. You can't choose certain emotions you're going to disregard and other emotions you're going to address. When you numb emotions, you numb them all. And that's what our world's doing. They're numbing their emotions by getting to the bottom of a bottle. They're numbing their emotions by getting to a joint, or by getting to a drug that lets them escape their life for a little while. But we need to go deeper as the church. We need to say, I realize you have those emotions. I realize you feel that rejection from your husband. I realize you feel that hurt from your family. I realize there's those things in your life that you're dealing with. But come and talk to some of the ladies of the church. Come and meet with some of the men. Come and, come and get into a life group. Do what you have to do in order for your life to be changed. And by doing that, we have a great move of God in our life. You can't stand on God's Word if you never spend time in His Word. This a quote that I wanted to say. The world we live in is a mess. Amen, somebody? They need real Christians with a real walk with God, really living for the Lord in their real life, for real, yo. <laughs> Every time I say something like that, the whole back row of guys like looks up. <laughs> for real. I'm for reals. We got preachers that front, I'll talk to the background. We got preachers that front, that got itching ears as preachers that just try to please crowds. We have prophets pleasing people. We have prophets for profit. Hello, somebody. We have all this stuff going on in our world, and people are looking for a real Christian standing strong. Are you a real Christian? Are you for real? <laughs> are you the one that's going to raise up and say, you know what? You can can count on me. I'm going to be in the Word. I'm going to live for God. Even if it costs me certain relationships to be holy with God, I'm going to do it so that you can come to me when your mom gets cancer. You can come to me when your dad gets hurt in an accident at work. And I will pray and touch the throne of heaven because I do it every morning and I know where to go to do it. Can you be a real Christian in a fake world? Eminem used to ask the world, would the real Slim Shady please stand up? I'm asking today, will the real Christians please stand up? You know, we're we're noisy. You guys are looking at me. You need to start giving me some amens or something. I'm not here to just stare at you. You're not here to just stare at me. This is an interactive sermon, okay? So I need an amen. Go ahead and preach. That's right. Something like that. Just Just, you know, to get us through this today. If you're going to stand, go ahead. Thank you, Sarah. Such a support. I I love my bride. Amen. Hey, let's do this. See, that right there is what I'm talking about. A praise break in the middle of a good sermon. And the, the thing that I want to talk to you about is we're noisy about the things we're passionate about. We're noisy about the things we're intrinsically in love with. And the Bible says we can't just like the truth. It says you have to love the truth. And you need to fall in love with the word of God so deeply that you know who your God is. You know the God that you serve. And when someone says something about it, you get rowdy. You get noisy. You get your praise on in church. If we can't pray praise in here, they're uncomfortable with our praise out there. Oh, my goodness. Do I get into this? Yes, Lord. People are uncomfortable. I've noticed lately, whenever I take my daughter's hand, we had a daddy-daughter date weekend and we went out and we prayed every time, just took her hand across the table and we prayed for our meal. And I noticed people looking at us sideways while we're praying. And so I got louder. Thank you, Lord, for these noodles. Thank you, Lord, for these meatballs. I appreciate this fine meal. I thank you for my daddy-daughter weekend. I love this little girl. She's my favorite. I thank you for these people looking at me sideways while i'm praying this prayer (laughs) bless them lord i'm telling you we need to get noisy about our strong stand for jesus christ how many have ever been to a concert have you been to one of your favorite musicians or bands you've been to a concert okay when you get to that concert and you love their music and they're singing that song do you sing along with them Do you get your hands up like, yeah, this is, I love this song. Do you stop singing when you hit a wrong note? No, you don't. You don't care what anybody thinks about you around you because you're so into what you love about the music. What about if we could get the word and the music of heaven in our hearts so strong that we didn't care what anybody thought? We didn't care when anybody hit a wrong note. We didn't care, but we were going to worship. Oh, I need a five-second praise break in here. Give me five seconds. Come on, get on your feet and worship the Lord for just a second. We need to pray. Praise God. Let's stand up and let's give God praise. Five, four, three, two, one. Amen, 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 amen. We need to get rowdy about standing strong for the Lord. You may be seated. You don't care if you hit wrong notes. You like what you're involved in. You like the presence of God you're feeling when that song comes a cross and waves of the Holy Ghost are hitting the congregation. I still love old songs like the anthem. When we sing the anthem here, I'm just in heaven. I just love that song. We don't sing it all the time, but when we do sing it, I'm like, that's my song. That's that's. Oh, How did they know? Praise to Jesus. And I'm having a moment. I'm having a moment with the Lord. And everybody else is like, it's a song but I'm like no you don't understand there was a day I'm laying on my face in my basement not sure what to do about a situation with my son and I and I went to the Lord and I just opened my phone to YouTube and I just click on a button and it comes up the anthem because I'd been listening to it and that song just begins to fill the room and I just feel God's presence sweep in and I know that Jesus is there and so I have a direct connection to the song because it helped me when I was praying over a difficult situation and it helped me stand you need a song sometimes to stand strong for the Lord and I'm not just talking about any old song I'm talking about a song that got you through the darkest night through the most difficult journeys I want you to know that there are sometimes when we're shadow boxing in the church fighting what we think is there but the Bible says that we go through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not death. It's the shadow of death. So there are times when fears will grip your heart, when the enemy will come and shed a lie into your life and try to tell you it's not working. It's not going to succeed. You're not going to see it happen. And when you get to those moments, you just have to get out a song and say, the Lord is with me. He shall not forsake me and I'll make it through. Great is the Lord. Great is his faithfulness. And you need to find yourself a Song that works in the darkest of nights Amen somebody And I've also found That Micah 6-8 works for me This is where I learned to be vulnerable There's three chairs Three invisible chairs in your life This is my invisible chair Can you see it? Isn't it awesome? Come on give props to pastor For getting an invisible chair Woo! See, you can't even see what I'm spinning right now. You don't even see nothing. I'm just spinning it. It's all, like, stealthy, and you can't see it. See, watch. So I'm just going to sit in midair. You ready? You ready? Watch this. Oh! Now watch. I'm going to spin in midair. Oh! Oh! Oh. Come on, now. Come on, now. You guys are way too serious. You need three invisible chairs in your life, and Micah 8, Micah 6... And eight tells us what they are. It says, he has told you, this is what Jesus gave me. Now this is, I'm about to give you two weir- years worth of personal struggle right here, all right? Is that okay? I'm gonna give you two years of spiritual praying and seeking God right here. Are you ready? You sure? Did I tell you this is two years of slugfest in my life? <laughs> you ready for this? He has told you, oh man, what is good. Everyone say good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice. Be justice in your life. Don't respond to people in a way that they don't deserve. Do justice. So one chair that you need to be in is the chair of justice in your life. When I was vulnerable and i was in situations i wanted to lash back i'll just tell you i i'm a passive aggressive <laughs> i'll be passive at first then i'll set up my i'll set up my attack and then i'll come at you bro <laughs> i'll come at you he's like i'm not the type that goes hey come at me i'm like just wait i'll find your vulnerability and then i'll get you <laughs> that's that's how i personally process things, okay? I tried to get all the information. I tried to take, make sure I'm standing on firm ground before I say, okay, here we go. Here's the fight. I'm going to go attack the enemy, you know? I'm like that. So while I was setting up for this and praising God and seeking God, I came to this, do justly and love kindness and walk humbly with your God. That's the three things that God told me to deal with my vulnerability. So when you have to be vulnerable, you have to know that God is the greatest just king of all times. Amen? He is a just God. And when you give somebody the benefit of the doubt, even if they're coming at you poorly, even if they're coming at you in a way that seems very aggressive and very attacking, if you just take a step back and you say, Jesus, how would you have me handle this situation? How would you have me take care of it? Lord, how can I do justice in this moment? Do you see the weight of what I'm saying? It's the hardest thing to do as a human being because you want to blame. Because that's where things go. When you get exhausted and when you get tired and when you get worn out, the first thing you'll do, or when you make a mistake, you'll blame. That's what happened in the garden, right? Adam and Eve, they fell, they sinned. God came to them, where are you Adam? Because God's love, agape, requires intimacy, amen? And if you're going to share God's love, you have to be able to be intimate in somebody's life and help them. That's another message for another day. But what happens is when God comes to us, He wants to be intimate with us. He wants in all those closets that are closed right now. Amen? He wants to clean out the places of our life. And that's why you can get uncomfortable with being vulnerable, because you have things you can control right now. He wants you to surrender control. And so what God did with me is He said, Stop worrying about, Careful, listen to me carefully, when you sit, if you're going to stand strong, you have to sit in the seat of justice. In other words, you have to stop worrying about who wins. You have to stop worrying about whether you lost, whether you were hurt or you were abused. The Bible is very clear that Jesus came and changed the thinking of his world. He said, love them that persecute you. Before, it was eye for an eye, ear for an ear. Peter was still trying to do that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's like, you're taking my Jesus. I hear from him. I'll take your ear. No. I don't know what he was thinking. I'm just saying, you know, just that's the way things process. in this head, if it's a problem, you'll have to get a different pastor because it's a little crazy in there. But (laughs) But I found out that if I just rest and sit, and His justice, and know that He keeps the books, and He's going to take care of it for me, I never have to fight for my way, my will. And when I did that, my relationship with her got better, and my marriage, my relationship with friends got better, because I don't have to be right anymore. Because He's right for me. You understand what I'm saying? I follow that? And then the next one is love mercy, or love kindness. The one, this is a different translation. The translation that I read is do justly love mercy. I'd rather stay on the word mercy because that's what I studied. (laughs) Love mercy. How many have been merciful to somebody when they didn't deserve it? It's not easy, is it? The Bible says that we should love mercy. There's a lot of people that are merciful because it makes them look better. Amen, somebody. And they look good being merciful oh i did this i did that i let them have this i did this the bible doesn't say to do mercy so that you look good the bible says love mercy in other words love giving people mercy more than what it does for you to give mercy do you see what i'm saying There's a complete difference in the two it's a completely different approach you're not giving someone a mercy for well you didn't do what i asked you to do and now you really messed it up you backed the car into the front end of the kitchen (laughs) because you didn't pull the car in you didn't pull the car in the way i told you to instead you decided you wanted to back it in the garage and you you know whatever whatever the situation is they deserve mercy Because you love mercy, not because you want to be right or you want to be the one that gets all the credit. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? We're doing justly because God is just and he takes care of it. We love giving mercy to people. That's the one thing that I want you to know is regardless, I have a a lesbian friend right now that calls me her pastor and has never come here before. And if you think for a second that God is not working on that heart, you are so wrong. We've got to learn to love mercy enough to be like Jesus where he went and touched lepers and he didn't care. He said to the Samaritan woman, I've got a destination. I must needs go through Samaria. Samaria. I need to go to... Why? You're going to be sitting on a well with a Samaritan woman. I know it's a rough topic. I'm sorry. I said the word lesbian. I apologize. They can edit it out if you guys are upset. Don't email me. (laughs) I'm just telling you that I am... I've had a dream of eight people and this woman in a Bible study with the Bible open and a highlighted passage of the Word of God where I'm teaching people that have alternate lifestyles Bible studies. I've had that dream. And if you want to be okay with that I'm, I'm not saying you have to be but I'm telling you I am okay with touching a leper if God saves their life. I'm okay with reaching to people that nobody else Jesus went to places nobody thought. If you know where I'm at right now you know that I'm not changing my stance. I'm not changing the message but I am going to love mercy. Not because of who it touches but because he loved me enough to show me mercy. And because I have that loving mercy in my life. I need to reach to people who are gay. I need to reach to people who are different lifestyles than me. I need to reach to people that don't know my God. And that he loves with an everlasting love. But his love requires intimacy. And that intimacy reaches for change. He finds you where you are, but he doesn't leave you where you are. I don't know if I'm getting through today, but I'm trying so hard. Can you feel my heart in this message? I hope I'm in the right house with this message. Probably should have saved it for a conference, you know. I, I preach at conferences where there's, <laughs> where there's thousands of people. and <laughs> I'm actually asking you to consider where do you sit in your personal life with God in order for you to know where you stand with Him. The three chairs, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. You need to be careful in walking humbly. Sit down in the chair of humility every once in a while and look introspectfully in your life and say, am I being humble toward God? Am I living a humble life? Am I willing to serve somebody that doesn't have the nicest breath and maybe hasn't taken a shower recently and maybe needs things that I personally take care of on a daily basis, but they don't know how to do that for themselves. What if, what if your humility and your willingness to be vulnerable actually creates a place for you to walk with God? And when you stand for the Lord, He's sitting right next to you. And He's saying, this is how you be vulnerable. This is how you be real in a world that's so fake. Would you stand with me today? Is this enough for today? I hope this was good for you. It was good for me. I really enjoyed putting this sermon together. I was uh, witnessing to the lady at TJ (laughs) Maxx. I had all three chairs out, and I was like, Yeah, I know it's weird. I had them out in the aisle. And she's like, Looking at me strange, I'm like, it's okay. I'm a pastor. It's all right. This is for a illustration for my sermon tomorrow. This is do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And I was like, these are the three different chairs you have to sit in in order to stand strong for the Lord. And she's like, going, this guy's crazy. And by the time I got done, of course, the price. I probably shouldn't tell you this. (laughs) Because I was like, I'm not going to spend that much for three chairs for an illustration. Hello, somebody. We need to be faithful and frugal at the same time. (laughs) Praise you. Thank you, Jesus. I had to use a coupon to get this chair already. So, you know. I want to be loud about my praise. I want to be loud about my song of the night. Paul is very clear about being boisterous. And you remember an incident where he was in jail? Who was he with? See, when he got in jail, he got in the darkest part of the night and he began to sing, I'm finishing with this. He began to sing his song in his darkest moment. But I want you to know that when you are vulnerable, he was vulnerable. He couldn't do anything about his situation. Lock, stock and barrel. He was there. Rats, mildew, whatever was in that jail. He was stuck and they thought that they were going to kill him the next day. And he just decided, hey, Silas, let's sing a song. Brilliant idea. Uh, that's what I would think. if I, I would be like chiseling on the wall with a rock trying to get out, checking the gates. I got to get out of here. But Paul was so comfortable in his vulnerability And so comfortable that God was going to be just. So comfortable that God's loving mercy was toward him even though he sat in a jail cell. God was working for him. And he was so comfortable with it that he was willing to humbly walk to his death the next day if God called that for his life. Are you there? Wow, that's hard. Isn't it hard? We're not in orange jumpsuits with... Isis standing behind us, ready to take our lives if we claim that we live for Jesus. We'll never probably be in in that situation, but you personally, to be effective in the kingdom, have to take this message to heart. And so Paul is sitting there and he's talking to Silas and he says, let's sing. I don't know what they sang. I don't know if they had voices that were good or on tune. I, I imagine Paul probably didn't have a very good singing voice. I bet he was out of tune and and he didn't have accompanying piano players like this one right here. He didn't have anything but his voice and Silas's voice. And they just began to sing. And I don't know what they sang, but they began to worship God. And their song in the night didn't just change the situation, but it changed the situation for everyone that was locked up around them. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying when you live like this... When you live vulnerable, when you live like Paul was living, where he's like, I can't change it, but I surrender everything to God. Here's my white flag, Jesus. I'm going to sing a song to you tonight. I might die in the morning, but tonight I still have breath in my body to praise you. And he starts worshiping God and the earth begins to shake and the jail cells fly open and not only did, he, did they fly open but the stalks fell off of his arms and his legs and those that were locked up around him were set free that day because he knew how to sing a song in the night in the middle of his vulnerability. He knew how to stand strong in his faith. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, I don't know who's in this room today who needed to hear Micah 6:8? do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. But somebody in this room needed to hear that today. Maybe it was just me, I, I need it too. But God, I'm asking that we trust you to do justice in all of our situations. That we give loving mercy to people that don't deserve it because you gave loving mercy to us. And that we walk in humility seeking you and knowing that in that vulnerability we find our victory in you help us to stand strong in sweet surrender i pray in jesus name